For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Israel, God's Prophetic Time Clock. This is part one of the series. And in this teaching, we're going to answer the question, are we the last generation? Or in other words, are we the generation that will see Yeshua's second coming and him setting his feet down on the Mount of Olives? So before we get into the details of this teaching, we want to give you an overview of what we will be covering. First, we're going to see that from the creation of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to the end of the thousand-year Messianic era will be 7,000 years in time. And because of Adam and Eve's sin in the Garden, the God of Israel gave a judgment that man would have to work the ground with the sweat of his brow. So man was going to have to work for six days or 6,000 years, and this period of time is known as the present age. And following this present age, man and the earth is going to take a Sabbath rest, which we commonly call the millennium, whose principle was given to us when the God of Israel rested on the seventh day from his creation. So first we're going to see in the bigger picture that there's 7,000 years to time. And then we're going to see following the nation of Israel breaking the covenant at Mount Sinai, they were exiled into the nations of the world. And this present age concludes when the exiles of Israel return back to the land of Israel, which is at the beginning of the Messianic era. So this present era will last as long as the nation of Israel is in exile, waiting for the gathering, uniting of the twelve tribes of Israel back to the land of Israel by the Messiah and the start of the Messianic era. So in being scattered to the nations of the world, the nation of Israel, also called the House of Jacob, following the days of David and Solomon, was split into Northern Kingdom and Southern Kingdom. And the Northern Kingdom was ultimately taken into captivity or exile by the Assyrians. And the Southern Kingdom was exiled or taken into captivity by the Babylonians. The exile of the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom will collectively end when the Messiah, even Yeshua HaMashiach, gathers and unites the exiles of Israel. And when he does, he will bring them back to the land of Israel, and Northern Kingdom and Southern Kingdom will be united upon the mountains of Israel, which is a reference to what the world calls the West Bank, the biblical name is Judea Samaria, as well as Jerusalem. 
The prophecy regarding this is found in Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 21 and 22, as it is written, And say unto them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the nations and bring them into their own land, and I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. And so after we look at the bigger picture of time, that it's 7,000 years from Adam and Eve being in the Garden of Eden to the end of the Messianic Era, then we're going to see that the Messianic Era will begin when Northern Kingdom and Southern Kingdom collectively will return to the land of Israel and be united upon the mountains of Israel through the redemptive work of Yeshua the Messiah. And then we're going to look more closely at understanding the generation that will see Yeshua set his feet down on the Mount of Olives. For Yeshua was asked a question by his disciples in Matthew chapter 24 verse 3, as it is written, And he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So in explaining and answering this question, Yeshua ultimately went on to say in Matthew chapter 24 verses 32 and 33, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So likewise you, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. And then Yeshua added in Matthew chapter 24 verse 34, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. So in answering the question when Yeshua said, learn a parable of the fig tree, he connected the parable of the fig tree to the last generation. So an alternative name for the generation that will see Yeshua set his feet down on the Mount of Olives is the fig tree generation. So in order to understand in greater detail the last generation, we need to understand the principle that the southern kingdom going into Babylonian captivity for 70 years is a prophecy of the last generation that will see the rebirth of the nation of Israel as it becomes a time marker to understand the length of time and when we're able to know that we are living in the generation that will see Yeshua set his feet down on the Mount of Olives. The prophecy that associates the historical Babylonian captivity to the last generation is found in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 10 as it is written. For thus says the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and causing you to return to this place, that being the land of Israel in Jerusalem. And the prophecy goes on to say what will happen after 70 years in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 14. And I will be found of you, says the Lord. This is a reference to the Jewish people accepting and receiving Yeshua as the Messiah. And the verse goes on to say, And I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place where I caused you to be carried away captive. This is the gathering of the exiles of Israel. So we're going to learn that the birth of the nation of Israel in 1948, after being scattered the nations of the world, constitutes a partial return of the Jewish people back to the land of Israel. And then after a 70-year period, it's prophesied that they will cry out on the Lord and he will be found of them. This is a reference to a remnant of Judah believing and accepting Yeshua as the Messiah. Messiah. And at the same time when this happens, Yeshua will fully gather both Northern Kingdom and Southern Kingdom from 
the nations of the world where they've been scattered, and he will unite them on the mountains of Israel, and he will be both king and shepherd over his people. We see this in Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 24 as it is written, And David my servant, a term for the Messiah, will be king over them, and they will have one shepherd. They will walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them, or they will follow the Torah of Yeshua. So that's an overview of what we're going to be covering regarding Israel being God's prophetic time clock. So now let's begin to look at the details of the big picture of the overview of time, and that is from the creation of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to the end of the Messianic era is 7,000 years of time. And in order to see how this is so, we must understand the very important biblical principle to understand time, and that is biblical history is prophecy. And that the God of Israel structured the world and the events that would happen in the world, particularly in connection to his people, the nation of Israel, whereas he would prophesy and foreshadow the end in the beginning. We can see how the end is told in the beginning in Isaiah chapter 46 verses 9 through 11 as it is written. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. So in what context is the God of Israel proclaiming that there's nobody like him? Well, it's regarding the fact that in Isaiah chapter 46 verse 10, he shows you the end from the beginning. And he shows you from ancient times the things that have not yet happened, saying, My counsel will stand. What is his counsel? To declare the end from the beginning. And I will do all my pleasure. Now at the end of Isaiah chapter 46 verse 11, I have spoken it. When? In the beginning. I will bring it to pass. When? In the end. I have purposed it. When? In the beginning. I will also do it. When? In the end. We can also see how the end is told in the beginning from Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9 as it is written. The thing that has been, that is the past or history, is that which shall be, that's the future. And that which is done, the things that are happening today, is that which shall be done in the future. For there's no new thing under the sun. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 15. That which has been, that is the past, is what's happening now. And that which is to be, that is the future, has already been. For God requires in the future that which is the past or history. So we even have a common expression in our culture. History repeats itself. And the reason why it does is because that is how the God of Israel structured time in his creation. So now we're going to look at the seven days of creation that are outlined in Genesis chapter 1 going through Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. And in doing so, we need to understand that the scriptures tell us that it was actually Yeshua that created the heavens and the earth. In other words, Yeshua is the one that said, let there be light. In John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 it is written, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So who is the Word of God from John chapter 1 verse 1? It is Yeshua, as we can see in Revelation chapter 19 verse 13 as it is written. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, referring to Yeshua, and his name is called the Word of God. And it goes on to say about the Word of God in Revelation chapter 19 verse 16, and he has on his his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
So the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that is Yeshua, is the Word of God. So John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 is speaking about Yeshua, who is the Word of God. And it goes on to say about Him, the Word of God, in John chapter 1 verse 3, All things were made by Him, that is the Word of God. And without Him, the Word of God or Yeshua, was not anything made that was made. So this is reaffirmed in John chapter 1 verse 10 as it is written. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. So who was in the world that made the world and the world didn't recognize or honor for who he is? That is Yeshua. We can further see how Yeshua created the heavens and the earth from Psalm chapter 33 verse 6 and verse 9 as it is written. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the hosts of them by the breadth of his mouth. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. And who is the word of the Lord by which the heavens and the earth were made? It is Yeshua. So now that we can see that Yeshua created the heavens and the earth, in other words, he's the one that said, let there be light. The scriptures tell us that Yeshua created the world in six days. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, it is written, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And after creating the heavens and the earth for six days, or in other words, in creating the heavens and the earth, he was working upon his complete completion of creating the heavens and the earth in six days the creator that is yeshua he rested on the seventh day we're told this in genesis chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 as it is written thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them and on the seventh day god ended his work which he had made and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had made and god blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it or he made it holy or set apart because that in it he had rested from all his work which which God created and made. So next we're going to see that when Yeshua put Adam and Eve in the garden, they ended up sinning or disobeying his instructions to them or his commandments. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 it is written, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave it also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So because of Adam and Eve's disobedience in the Garden of Eden, Yeshua then told Adam that man would have to work the ground. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 17 it is written, And unto Adam he said, Because you've hearkened unto the voice of your wife, and you've eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Goes on to say in Genesis chapter 3 verse 19, And the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return unto the ground. Or in other words, until you die, when your body is put in the ground. So even as Yeshua created the heavens and the earth over seven days, he worked for six days, and then he rested on the seventh day, it's now designated that man is to work six days and rest on the seventh day. In Exodus chapter 20 verse 9 it is written, Six days shall you labor and do all your work, continuing in Exodus chapter 20 verse 10, But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger that is within your gates. So now we're going to see when Yeshua created the heavens and the earth in seven days that it's going to be a prophecy of time. So when we look at the seven days of creation, we're going to see that the seven days of creation is a prophecy of time and that each day of creation is going to represent 1,000 years of time. We can see this principle from Psalm chapter 90 verse 4 as it is written, For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. 
Psalm chapter 90 verse 4 is quoted in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 8 as it is written. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So next we're going to see that the seventh day Sabbath is called the day of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 58 verse 13 it is written, If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath the delight, the holy of the Lord honorable. So the Sabbath is called my holy day. The Sabbath is called the holy of the Lord. So the Sabbath is the day of the Lord. And who is the Lord? It is Yeshua. Because we're told in Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 regarding Yeshua that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Yeshua HaMashiach is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So in Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 it is written, Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Yeshua every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Yeshua HaMashiach is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul explained at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 3 that no one can say that Yeshua is Lord or that he is Yahweh except by and through the Holy Spirit. So at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 3 it is written and no man can say that Yeshua is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit. So after we're told in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 8 to not be ignorant that one day is with the Lord a thousand years and a thousand years is one day it goes on to say in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 10 but the day of the Lord. So don't be ignorant that one day is with the Lord a thousand years and a thousand years is one day but the day of the Lord. So how long is the day of the Lord? It is a thousand years. We commonly call this thousand year period of time the millennium and this is when Yeshua is going to set up his kingdom on the earth. He will set up his government on the earth and his bride will rule and reign with him. And within his government it will be those who are called kings and priests. In Revelation chapter 5 verse 10 it is written, And he has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we will reign on the earth. Revelation chapter 20 verse 6 it is written, Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection, but they shall be priests of God and of Messiah, and shall reign with him a thousand years. So the Sabbath is called the day of the Lord, and each day in creation is prophetic of a thousand years of time. So another term for the thousand year messianic era is called the day of the Lord. And the thousand year messianic era called the day of the Lord is the prophetic Sabbath of creation. The thousand year millennium is the prophetic seventh day Sabbath of creation. And in the prophetic day of the Lord, the thousand year messianic era, it is a time of Sabbath rest for the creation, for man, as well as the earth. And it's during the thousand year messianic era when Yeshua sets up his kingdom that he will teach the Torah to all nations from Jerusalem, thus fulfilling his own great commission. In Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3 it is written, And many people will go and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. This is referring to the temple. And he will teach us his ways, we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So Yeshua will teach the Torah to all nations from Jerusalem. And during that time there will be worldwide peace as we can see from Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. 
Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. So from these things we can see that in creating the heavens and the earth in seven days, which is the beginning, it is a prophecy of 7,000 years of time. And the last 1,000 years is called the millennium or the messianic era. So now let's look at further detail to see that there was roughly 4,000 years from Adam to Yeshua's first coming and we've gone 2,000 years since. So we have gone close to 6,000 years from Adam and Eve in the garden to the present time. So the way we understand this is we first look at the genealogies in the Bible. From Adam, wherein first we're going to see time from Adam to Noah in the flood. From Adam to Seth was 130 years, Genesis chapter 5 verse 3. From Seth to Enos, 105 years, Genesis chapter 5 verse 6. From Enos to Canaan, 90 years, Genesis chapter 5 verse 9. From Canaan to Mahalalel, 70 years, Genesis chapter 5 verse 12. Mahalalel to Jared, 65 years, Genesis chapter 5 verse 15. Jared to Enoch, 162 years, Genesis chapter 5 verse 18. Enoch to Methuselah, 65 years, Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. Methuselah to Lamech, 187 years, Genesis chapter 5, verse 25. Lamech to Noah, 182 years, Genesis chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Noah to the flood, 600 years, Genesis chapter 7, verse 6. So next we're going to look at time from Noah and the flood to Abraham. So from the flood to Arphasad, two years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 10. From Arphasad to Salah, 35 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 12. From Salah to Eber, 30 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 14. From Eber to Peleg, 34 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 16. From Peleg to Ru, 30 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 18. From Ru to Sarag, 32 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 20. From Sarag to Nahor, 30 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 22. From Nahor to Terah, 29 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 24. From Terah to Abraham, 70 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 26. So from Adam to Abraham is 1,948 years. So next, we're going to give you the big picture information from Abraham to the Babylonian captivity of the southern kingdom. From Abraham to Genesis chapter 15 in the covenant between the halves, 70 years. From Genesis chapter 15 in the covenant between the halves to the birth of Isaac, 30 years. From Isaac to Jacob, 60 years. From Jacob and his family going to Egypt, 130 years. The time in Egypt, 210 years. In the wilderness, 40 years. From Joshua to the Judges, 30 years. From Judges to Samuel, 450 years. The time of the kings of Judah, 513 years. And history tells us that the final stage of the southern kingdom's Babylonian captivity took place in 586 BC. So if we add up all these years, we have 4,067 years. So am I showing this to you to try to make the claim that there was exactly 4,067 years from Adam to the days of Yeshua, in this case the year zero? No, because genealogy study is not an exact science. So there can be some variances in the calculations from place to place from time to time. But it does allow us to see the validity of the principle that there was 4,000 years from Adam and Eve in the garden to Yeshua's first coming. And in order to look at another source for the chronology of time, we're going to look at one of the most well-known chronological studies. And this was conducted by an individual named James Usher. So we're going to look at the Usher chronology. So who was James Usher? James Usher lived from January the 4th, 1581 to March 
March 21, 1656. He became a professor of theology in Dublin in 1621. He was the Church of Ireland's Archbishop of Armagh and primate of all Ireland between 1625 and 1656. In 1654, Usher published a book entitled Annals of the World. It is a historical chronology from the ancient world until the year 70 AD. And in this book, Usher calculated the date of creation. Well, that's going to conclude part one of the series on the subject, Israel, God's Prophetic Time Clock. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.